You've been listening to the weekly sermon from the Vine Church in Madison, Wisconsin, a spirit-filled family that makes disciples and plants churches among neighbors and nations through declaration and demonstration. For more information and service times, check out our website at www.thevinemadison.org. And Jesus called the people to him, and he said to them, Hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, Do you know the Pharisees were offended when they heard the saying? He answered, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Leave them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, Explain the parable to us. And he said, Are you still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So for us to understand this this morning, like we have to oftentimes do, we have to understand the world of the Bible. We have to understand the world of the Bible. And in the world of the Bible, as you can see in this text, there's a a fascination and a focus on what we would call ceremonial or ritual cleanliness. Now that's not something we focus on, and we'll, we'll see why in a little bit. But in Jesus' day, in the world of the Bible, that was a big deal. It meant that there were all these rules that, that people had to follow that would determine if they were worthy to participate in worship or participate in the life of community. So the rationale was, was quite simple, is that God is holy and that God is pure. And if you touch something... Uh, or experience something that, that made you maybe, quote, unclean, you had to go through this process of purification, okay? And you can read all about this in the book of Leviticus, if you want to sometime, in the Old Testament. For example, if you touched a corpse, you were deemed unclean. If you uh, ate food without washed hands, like we saw last week, you were deemed unclean. If you had a, a skin disease, For example, a a big one in Jesus' day was leprosy. And if you came in contact with someone with leprosy, you were deemed unclean. If you ate the wrong foods, you were unclean. Now think about this. In in the world of Jesus' day, being clean or unclean, pure or impure, was in some ways, here's the point, in some ways from the outside in from the outside in. The problem was out there. The problem was not in here. So what does that mean? Think about it like this. How would you know if you had a problem, like a, a, a purity problem? How would you know if you had a problem before God that needed to be dealt with 
before you faced him in worship. Should I switch to the handheld? Are you guys hearing the, the feedback? Okay, let's switch it up here. All right, here we go. So, the answer in Jewish in, in the Jewish day, in Jesus's day, if you were if you were ritually unclean, if you were impure in some sense, it was because of these things outside of your body that were brought into your body. Certain foods like pork, I eat it, it was outside of my body, I bring it into my body. A corpse is something outside of my body. If I touch it, I somehow bring that into my body. If I don't wash my hands, it's, it's like stuff that's outside of my body. I bring that into my body. It's all from the outside in, okay? You with me? And we're going to see in Jesus, in one verse, he abolishes all of that. Look at verse 10 and 11 here this morning. He calls the people to him, and he said to them, hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. He says, if you really want to know where the problem is before God, if you're concerned about purity before a holy God, like who's truly spiritually defiled? Jesus says, don't look outside in. Jesus says, look inside out. Let me say that again, because it's super important for us to understand this this morning as Christians. Jesus says, don't look at what goes from the outside in. He says, look at what comes from the inside out. Okay, so bookmark this right now in your mind. We'll come back to it in a second. Look at verse 12. Then the disciples came to him. Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, every plant that my heavenly father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides. And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. So Jesus is just saying, Pharisees, blind, essentially he's saying those guys are false teachers. Like you would never hire, if you're going to the Boundary Waters for a trip to do some intense off-the-grid camping for a week, most people need a guide. It's like wild up there, right? Untamed Raw nature. You need a guide. You would never, ever hire a guide that was blind. You would die, right? You would get lost. And that's just what Jesus is saying. You're not going to listen or follow a blind guide. He's saying you can reject the teaching of the Pharisees. And we're going to see in a second, they're all about outside in. They're all about externals. God looks at the heart. Let's keep reading. Verse 15. But Peter said to him, explain this parable to us. And he said, are you still without understanding? Verse 17. Do you not see, here it is, that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? 
Jesus is just saying, like, things outside your body, like food, outside your body, eventually it ends up outside your body, right? It passes through our digestive system, and it's, the, the body uses what it needs, and it gets rid of the rest. He's saying you're not unclean before God because of food that you eat. It's not about what comes into your mouth from the outside. It's, listen, it's what comes out of your mouth from the inside. Verse 18, look at it. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds, keyword, from the heart. From the heart. And this is what defiles a person. Okay, so ancient Jewish teachers really fascinated and, and focused on what's going to make me unclean before God. And Jesus is just saying, verse 18, look to the heart. Look to the interior. They're all about externals. Jesus is saying, no, the focus needs to be internal. And this is where we get down to the nitty-gritty of what it truly means to walk with God. We have to focus on what the Bible says is the heart. The heart is a really important biblical concept that Jesus lays out here in verse 15. I'm sorry, verse 18. So let's talk about this, the heart. What does the, the Bible mean by the heart? Like we think of this organ in our chest that beats, pumps blood, makes our body work. That's not what the Bible is talking about when it talks about the heart. So when the Bible speaks of the heart, in, in essence, it's a summary of who a person is. Thoughts, emotions, spirituality. It's summed up. The, the heart is the essence of who someone really, really is. So the Bible says, we look to the externals, God looks to the heart. The heart is what tells you who someone really is. So listen to what we heard last week. You can just look down in verse, I'm sorry, in chapter 15, verses uh, 8 and 9. These people, what does it say? He's talking about the Pharisees. These people honor me with their lips, but what? Their heart is far from me. Honor me with their lips. That's just external stuff. They're making a show externally, but Jesus says internally they're not with me. They're not with me. Their heart is far from me. So with, with that in mind, again, let's focus on verse 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this is what defiles a person. It's not externals. It's internals. We're going to see in a, in a few chapters from now, verse 23, Jesus goes hard after the Pharisees. It's one of the most um, intense pronouncements of judgment in the whole Bible. We'll get there in a, in a, in a couple months probably. But I just want to jump ahead. I want to read for you what Jesus says about the Pharisees to kind of drive this home. He says in chapter 23, verse 27, Woe to you. A woe is a pronouncement of judgment. 
He says, I'm judging you, Pharisees. I'm condemning you, Pharisees. Woe to you, Pharisees, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Listen to how he says it. For you are like whitewashed tombs. What's a whitewashed tomb? It's, well, the outside is all nice and pretty looking. The external, whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but here it is, but on the inside, what? This vivid, vivid metaphor Jesus brings. They're full of dead men's bones. And listen to the word, and all uncleanness. He's saying you're measuring unclean in the wrong way. It's like it's not external. It's all about the internal. You're focused on the show. Jesus is saying, I'm looking at the heart. Jesus is saying, verse 18, notice about the inside based on how you use your words. Think about your thoughts. Think about your desires. These are the things that need our utmost attention. Anybody can manage the externals. Can you manage your your thoughts? Can you manage your desires? Basically, he's saying like that common phrase that we have, who are you when no one's looking? Anybody can clean up and put on a show externally. But what's really going on in the heart? And he takes it a step further. He really defines this. Look at verse 19. He gives us some vivid detail here. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are the things that defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. So as we look at this verse 19 and 20, I don't want you to think of this as like an exhaustive list of sins that Jesus, he's not making like a a checklist here. He's just giving some, some common examples. So the point here is not that this is a sin list, but Jesus is illustrating that in order to be a follower of him, in contrast to a follower of the Pharisees, he's saying we need a heart transplant. He's saying we need a heart transplant. I mean, that first, look at verse 19. That first one alone should bring conviction for all of us. Evil thoughts. How about that last one, slander? Have we ever said anything that's untrue about somebody else? Man, we all know just based on Jesus' diagnosis here alone, we need a heart transplant. This is humbling to me as I read this this morning. This should be humbling for all of us. It shows us our need. Another way that we could say this really simply that a lot of us have heard A lot of us haven't heard the language of, man, you need a heart transplant. The one we've heard a lot of is, you need to be born again. You need to be born again. Another way to say it is, we need to be remade. Heart transplant, born again, remade. 
this is Bible language for what God does when anybody believes the gospel, when anybody believes the good news. Like when you turn from, from sin and selfishness and turn towards God and you say, God, I need you. I can't do this on my own. I can't manage my sin on my own. I'm working hard with the externals, but I know the internal is, is, is not measuring up. I can't save myself. I recognize that out of my heart, out of my inner essence, comes these things. I see it. I see who I am when no one's looking. God, would you save me? I cast myself upon you. Like anyone feel that way this morning? See, when you do that, or when you have done that, or when you're continually doing that, that's an indicator that you're a Christian. Or when you do that for the first time, you become a Christian. And then what happens? The Bible says God fills us with his Holy Spirit. That's just another way of saying God does surgery on us. God does a heart transplant on us. The Old Testament language, Ezekiel prophesied, he said, I will take your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Jeremiah says, I will write God's law on their hearts. I'll do the writing. That's just an Old Testament way of saying, I will give you a heart transplant. Another way of saying it would be, I'm going to cause them to be born again. I will remake them into a new person, a new essence, a new birth, a new heart. So like in the last 50 years, a, a common thing in, 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 in Christianity is this language of, have you been born again? Have you been born again? That just comes from John chapter 3. Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and saying, man, you're, you're, a, you're an Old Testament teacher. You, you know all these things about the Bible, and you don't understand that you need to be born again? And he kind of blows Nicodemus' mind. You can read that in John chapter 3. And so we have this language of, man, have you been born again? Or like, I'm a born-again Christian. We can start a new trend this morning. I'm a heart transplant Christian. You could ask someone, like, have you had a heart transplant? That's a completely legitimate way to say what Jesus is getting after here. John, 13, or John 3 is be born again. Our text for this morning, Matthew 15, submit to the great surgeon, receive a heart transplant. I need a new heart. The Bible is clear. I need a new spirit. I need the Holy Spirit of God to indwell me, to change me. And that happens through the good news of the gospel that we hear every single week. We turn from sin. We turn towards Jesus. So when that happens, here's the good news. All these guys in the Old Testament, all these guys in Jesus' day were so hyper about being unclean. And the great news of the gospel is that when you turn from your sin and turn towards him, God makes you clean from the inside out. God doesn't view you as dirty. God doesn't view you as condemned. You stand clean in God's sight this morning. 
because Jesus' perfect cleanliness, when he died on the cross for you and you come to him and receive that gift, his perfect cleanliness is just simply given to you as a gift and you're united to him and everything that's true about Jesus now becomes true of you. And so when God sees you now, he doesn't see he doesn't see your dirt and your, your grime and your un, uncleanliness. He sees Jesus' perfection, white as snow. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the good news of the gospel. He takes our sin, we take his righteousness. He takes our grime, we get his perfect cleanliness. How great is that? If you've never heard that this morning, the invitation is, is come to Jesus and receive that. You can cease the, the constant striving to, to, to maintain appearances, the constant striving of like, I mean, I just need to be a better person. If I just, if I can just be a better person, then God, you know, I, I can like, I can like work the scales in my favor and God, you know, he'll probably just except me on, on the day of judgment. It's like, that's not how it works. God demands perfection, but he also created a way for us to receive the perfection of himself as a gift. It's come to Jesus in this good news of the gospel and know for sure that your sins can be forgiven because Jesus paid the price for your sin 2,000 years ago on the cross, and then he rose again from the dead, proving it all true, and that you can trust him with your life. And it's all dealt with. You don't have to manage it anymore. Come to Jesus. He'll manage it for you. And then he'll give you his Holy Spirit that will change you from the inside out. That's the good news for anybody who's never heard that this morning. We invite you to come to Jesus and be remade. Have a heart transplant. Be born again. Be awakened to the greatness of this God that made you as your creator and loved you enough to be your savior. But let me end this morning with an encouragement for those of you who already know this and would say that you're a Christian. I know a lot of us would, would read verse 19 And you read what Jesus rattles off there, and you think, man, I, I think I'm a Christian. I, I know I've turned from sin and, and trusted Jesus, but man, these things are still present in my life. Does that mean that I'm not saved? Or that I, not, I haven't had that heart transplant? Well, we know based on what the whole of what the Bible teaches is that our sin does not completely die overnight. Now, we're dead to the condemnation of sin, but we sadly still experience sin. But here's what does change overnight. It's our attitude towards sin. Like before people become a Christian, before you become a Christian, we sin and it just feels normal. And natural. But after becoming a Christian, after being born again, after having that heart transplant, 
by the Holy Spirit, what changes? It's not perfect obedience, but it's this, a change of desire, a change of sensitivity to the ways of God, a feeling of conviction, a a desire to not continue in those old ways that we used to do. Another, Another way to say it would be a willingness to go to war with my sin, to not be content with my sin, to not blame shift in my sin and make it all about other people's fault, but a willingness to own my sin. Said simply, the Christian way to say this or the biblical way to say this would be a willingness to walk in repentance. A willingness to, to, to cease with the blame shifting and embrace it. A desire to turn from sin, confess it, and then what? Bring it to Jesus because he says, that's why I died. That's why I rose again. So you could bring your sin to me and I'll deal with it. I'll pay for it. Like that's the evidence of the heart transplant is those changed desires. It's not perfection, but like we say a lot around here, it's not perfection, it's direction. And the new direction is a desire for repentance, a willingness to bring that to Jesus. And seeing that, that, that direction, that newness of direction over decades. So you with me? So this morning, Christian, if your heart is heavy because you read verse 19 and you go, man, I, I still see this in my heart. I still see this in my life. Be assured, that's not, that's not evidence that God has abandoned you. But just the fact that you're concerned about it is evidence that you have a sensitivity towards God. And so you should be encouraged by that. And we just want to encourage you that you can, yes, continue to walk in repentance and know that God receives you. You can yet this morning bring that sense of conviction to Jesus and know that the cross actually happened 2,000 years ago and the tomb is still empty and Jesus is still alive and he's dealt with your sin and he says to you afresh this morning, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Bring it to him yet again and know that you are not condemned. That is good news this morning. It's just, it's just the old-fashioned good news of the gospel. And here, did you notice this morning that it's for unbelievers come to Jesus? And it's also for those that are believers. Keep coming to Jesus. Keep bringing it to Jesus. The gospel is for all of us. The gospel is for all of us. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this good news this morning that you have been the faithful heart surgeon. And Lord, I pray that we would cease to focus on the externals and look to the internals. Lord, we all need help with the internals. I know I do. Lord, we recognize our thoughts are askew at times. Our desires don't line up with you. And so we come this morning with, with hearts that feel convicted, but we have hearts that have been freed Because we have evidence, Lord, that you are changing us from the inside out. And may it continue, Lord. May it continue. 
May we continue to walk and be who you say that we are. New, new hearts, born again, remade. Lord, so I pray that we would be a church and that we would be people where it's clear that you're working on us from the inside out. And so that the externals, Lord, would be genuine and not just a facade, not just a veneer, not just a show. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see that our our biggest problem is not out there, but it's in here. And Lord, we bring that to you this morning, and we thank you that, that because the gospel is true, you have dealt with it and are dealing with it, and will one day finally bring us to rest with fully and completely a new heart that rejoices perfectly in you and who you are and what you've done. And so would you do that and continue to do that in us this morning? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.